Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Jack Carper and Sean Shoot. Keenan will be joining us a little later. Um, he actually is working late. Uh, I know Sean claims to do so. Keenan actually does, which is why uh, we're just waiting for him to join us. But he will be here. Anyway. This is wildcard week one. Went over the premise last week. We've got my film, Sean's film this week. They'll be up against each other. Winner goes through to the next round for the chance to enter round one of the bracket. I don't think we confirmed it last week. So the film that is officially at risk is Edge of Tomorrow. Most like to Edge of Tomorrow. We enjoyed it, but... That's the one that's been put at risk. Scary movie survived last bracket. Edge of tomorrow. We'll see if that can do the same. Anyway. So, to to clarify for, for me and and also any other listeners. So was that decided just by us or did you put that to a poll? That was decided by us. I yes. put it okay. to everyone and everyone voted for that. So. Got you. Um, so. The matchup we'll be getting into today is 2017's Logan versus 2002's Minority Report and Not Memento. So, (laughs) how's everyone doing today? Very well, very well. Good. Um, Good chance to say now. Um, Did say last week that hopefully we'd have some more content coming to the channel over the next week or so. I was right. We did manage to seal the deal with those interviews so we have at least four interviews coming in the next few weeks. I spoke with um, Anthony Matos, who's a stuntman, works on Never Back Down, Fast Five, several other films there. Jack spoke to Arlie Jova, who plays Mercury in Blade. Then me, Jack and Keenan spoke to Carlos Carrasco on Tuesday night about Speed last week's film obviously so nice and topical there you may know him better by Ortiz in the film and we spoke about all sorts there and uh, that's definitely one sit down clear schedule for because uh, that was a long one wasn't it Jack? It was it was but very insightful uh, yeah everything... we, we got yeah, an insight much... on the movie business Sean moving yeah. forwards we probably can take over Hollywood now and then Finally, myself and Jack spoke to Garrett Warren last night, who you won't recognise, but he's probably been in and around all of your favourite films, including plenty that are in the bracket that we're doing uh, this time around and in the last one. So he's a stuntman, stunt coordinator, second unit director, all of these things. Um if you search his name, the first headline you'll see is that he survived an assassination attempt back in the year 2000, and uh, Jack gracefully asked him to explain that story. So <laughs> yeah, we also what... got that in the interview. Everything you could ask for in that interview, 
crammed into 35 minutes, and that is going to drop next Wednesday. So make sure you look out for that one. What so, a yeah. guy. Yeah. What, what a guy. And uh, Sean's not even seen that, so Sean will have to tune in like everyone else to uh, hear what he has to say. <clears throat> but when I tell you we spoke about everything, Sean, we went from Avatar to Crank. <laughs> That's quite, quite the range. <clears throat> exactly. <clears throat> and spoke about how Vince Vaughn would have fit in with the Brat Pack back in the 70s. There's literally everything was discussed. So look out for that one. If you if if you like staying up late, it will drop at midnight next Wednesday. So uh, you can set a little reminder on YouTube and tune in for that. Anyway, Logan, we'll get started. That is the highest seed of the wild card. And the synopsis here: in a future where mutants are nearly extinct, an elderly and weary Logan leads a quiet life. But when Laura, a mutant child pursued by scientists, comes to him for help, he must get her to safety. So, I'm assuming everyone has seen it, but just to kind of outline, this is an X-Men film that you don't really need to have seen all the previous X-Men for. I mean, kind of like you can tune into a Spider-Man film and you know he's bitten by a spider. You don't need to see that all over again. So you've got that in the locker there. But this is set way past when he's out with his, well, the X-Men, his team, and it's based on a comic book called uh, Old Man Logan. And this was Hugh Jackman's last appearance as Logan. So, I was, Pretty, I was surprised by it in a very good way. I thought when the two titles were kind of put to us, and I saw Minority Report and Logan, I saw them, I thought, well, it's dead certain. Minority Report. Absolutely love Minority Report. And I'm not too sure. I've never seen Logan. But... We'll come on to it later, but I was wrong in a very big way, I think. Yeah, I mean, going right back to Logan, um, and I think I messaged all of you this week. I can remember when that trailer first dropped, where he had uh, hurt by Johnny Cash in the trailer there. They kind of outlined the direction this was going to go and the feel of it. And it's one of the best trailers I can remember seeing in a very long time. Same song was used for Hangover 3, if I'm not mistaken, in that trailer. It was back in that 2010 to 2015 period where Johnny Cash had a massive resurgence. Obviously, brilliant artist he was, but everyone all of a sudden just loved the the song Hurt. (laughs) It's a good trailer song, to be fair. So, I mean, critics' reviews... um, Logan presents us with a dark, devastating final journey for one of cinema's most enduring comic book characters. Though it's undoubtedly bleak, there are also moments of much-needed warmth and ultimately a sense of hope resonates. A lot darker than your standard superhero film. Oh, 100%. 100%. In the first scene, I was like, fuck out, this is like like Deadpool, but without the humour, it's just dark. Um, just to be clear, I didn't include any of them, but if you are wondering, there was about 8,000 reviews that said uh, this is more than just a superhero movie, <laughs> as we get every single time. So, <laughs> And another one where it's an 18-rated film, and they said, definitely not for kids. 
when they've been paid to write that as their review. Um, it's raw, emotional, and brutal. A beautiful final film for Wolverine. James Mangold keeps the movie as grounded in realism as possible. Unlike the other films in the franchises, it doesn't feel overly CGI and effects heavy. Which again, me and Jack had an insight into yesterday as Garrett Warren did the stunt coordination on Logan, so we can have a bit more of that next Wednesday. A dark, fascinating character study that treats its characters with an intelligence and maturity that has been lacking in the X-Men films practically since their inception. I quite like the old X-Men films. Yeah, X-Men, X-Men 2, uh, yeah. for a long time, one of my favourite films ever. Probably does still get in top 10, but it used to be top 5. I was going to rewatch that recently and then <clears throat> watch Blade, which obviously played out well, as I said earlier. But yeah, I I watched Blade, but I'm definitely going to go back. Just seeing it on uh, Disney Plus did have me reminiscing, and that's a great trailer as well. If you go back, go back and watch the X Men Two one, back in the early two thousands days, where you had that same guy doing the voiceovers in in a time when mutants weren't accepted. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, really, good. those X Men ones, and I even liked the ones that when they turned over. And uh, rebooted it. Um, yeah, I thought I didn't. I didn't think they were. As, they were all right, though. I, I didn't hate them, but I didn't think they were as good. But, but yeah. Days of Future Past was really good. And um, X Men. Uh, well, the one where it was like going back and forth between both of them. Days of Future Past. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think I really liked that one. I liked the like prequel, but I didn't really like that one where it was a mixture of the two. That's, that's actually the one that's got the highest ratings, um, I guess, because it's a bit, a bit uh, flashy. Um, other than Logan, yeah. All right. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse, um, I really like. Turn remember Alex slagging it off. Um, and they did bring Olivia Munn into X-Men then, so another yeah, tick for Apoc- me. I think Apocalypse might be the one I'm thinking of then. The one where... Well, I was it was essentially a- their version of bringing in Thanos where yeah yeah so that that's the one that I was thinking of sorry so that's the one I didn't like Daisy yeah, it starts in Egypt and they resurrect yeah what you then get as a your villain yeah got you um where was I Logan works best if you have a history with the Wolverine character it's also remarkably impactful as a standalone film the ending I'm... of Logan oh, sorry I was just going to say, I have the kind of blessing of coming in. I haven't seen the X-Men films for like 10, 15 years. Yeah. So I have like, I know who Wolverine is. Yeah. But I, like I said, I had that blessing where I could see it from an outside film as well as one of the franchise. Well, he's the only one that's stayed with it through all the reboots, isn't he? And yeah. Hugh Jackman. Because you had the original ones, you had Halle Berry as Storm and they went that direction. Um. Spider-Man, they, they stuck with J. Jonah Jameson in X-Men, they stuck with Wolverine. So, um, The ending of Logan works in a bold and poignant way, providing the kind of closure that any story could be proud of. If indoctrinating child audiences into accepting and enjoying brutal, deadly violence was the intent of the filmmakers responsible for Logan, then their mission is accomplished. 
an 18 film, by the way. So I don't know why <laughs> these people get so weird about this. Sacrilege though it may be to fellow comic aficionados, facts are still facts. As a character, Wolverine kind of sucks. Moody and hairy, the murder-happy brute is all pouting and brooding. He's like a stabby and Morrissey. Stabby and Morrissey? Uh, this is the Wolverine story fans have wanted to see on screen all along, and the filmmakers are to be commended for taking the character this, to this difficult but necessary place. I messaged you yesterday, didn't I, Jack, and said it's mental it took this long to do this film for a character that literally has three metal claws coming out of his hand. Yeah. And they've never really slashed anyone properly before. That That's why it needed this, because when it, the first opening scene where he punches someone square in the head with his claws out, <laughs> I, I thought as well, like, he leaves the scene of the crime before the police get there. But they're quite distinctive. (laughs) Like, oh, there's someone with a missing arm, a missing leg, and there's a load of people with three puncture marks straight in their forehead. In films, he he puts sunglasses and a cap on. Uh, They have no clue who he is. Yeah. Um, Logan would absolutely deserve a Best Picture nomination, even more than Christopher Nolan's hailed yet arguably snubbed Batman masterpiece, The Dark Knight. I don't know if I go that far. If this is some sort of a farewell, then sad to say, it's too nasty for me. Again, nasty making its way into uh, one of these reviews. And finally, absolutely bloody brilliant, brutal, foul-mouthed and tragic. Yeah, I think I... I kind of think of the last one as the one I yeah. would use. I'll take you through some trivia then. So, Hugh Jackman induced dehydration for 48 hours prior to filming scenes of Wolverine shirtless, losing water weight. He added that the method is dangerous and no one should attempt it at home. He used the same technique five years earlier to create his emaciated look for prisoner Jean Valjean in Les Miserables. So... I was I was thinking when he got his top off, he looked pretty ripped. But like I still old... it, is it? Is it, is it... I was going to say varicose. I don't think that's it. Essentially, he's got all his veins popping out. Um, Hugh Jackman stated in an interview that the only way he would repri- he would reprise his role is if a crossover between Deadpool and Wolverine could happen. Both Deadpool movies have contained jokes aimed at Wolverine, and he's also a close friends with Ryan Reynolds. That would be awesome. <laughs> Although, uh, I, I don't think we need to bring Hugh Jackman back. It's a nice ending. It is. But if you could set it before he died, and have them two on screen in the next Deadpool, I would still be all there for it. Yeah. Um, Hugh Jackman stated that while he doesn't doubt that the character of Logan will be eventually rebooted with a new actor he has hopes for X-23 becoming the new Wolverine of the franchise Uh, James Mangold stated this movie set in 2029 to avoid any conflict with the timeline established in Days of Future Past 
but that his goal was to make a standalone movie that was not bound to continue in previous previous storylines or setting up sequels, as we said previously. Um, first superhero movie to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay, and the first superhero movie to be nominated for screenwriting since The Incredibles. Decent type up. Yeah. According to James Mangold, allowing the movie to be R-rated was important, not so much for the violent content, but for the style. He said, for him, what was most interesting was getting that okay for the R rating, because then it just let go of all expectation that the film was going to play for children. And he said, once you let go of that, he's free in a myriad of ways. The scenes can be longer, he can go different ways with it, the dialogue can be different, and uh, the pace which is something you notice obviously in this it's it, it's not your standard once you're in you're in it does have its lapses to try and build the character mm. he said it was less built like a tension span deficit theater um throughout all of his portrayals of logan hugh jackman stated he learned his american accent from copying johnny depp it does sound a little bit like that now you mention it (laughs) Uh, Daphne Keane who played Laura was 11 years old at the time of filming and so wasn't allowed inside the casino even with all the correct shooting permits so some shots were done with her on a green screen and some scenes were shot in an actual casino with with her body double Jeremy Martin who is over 18 but of a similar build how small is this 18 year old (laughs) That's just unfortunate. (laughs) Patrick Stewart claimed that much of the dialogue at the dinner table scene in which Logan and Charles tell the family about the school for mutants was improvised at the request of the director after they filmed it several times and he said he just couldn't get the right feel. Um, In the UK, the first wide release showing of this was at the unusual time of 10.23 rather than midnight to match the X-23 character. So... I actually saw it at 10.23, so that rung a bell after I saw that bit of trivia. Just remember leaving it being really late, which obviously the amount of trailers you get in the cinema these days is uh, does make sense. Yeah, I can't, the latest I ever went, I actually went to the midnight showing of Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part 2. <laughs> Didn't you come on and watch Batman vs Superman at midnight? No, I've, never, I've still, to this day, I've never seen that film. Yeah, I refused to watch. I fell asleep in the cinema, and I even bought a uh, Batman cup before going in from uh, the front desk to show my support. Um, (laughs) I'm not a Superman guy. I know uh, Connor Palmer, who uh, we had on the other podcast, bought both cups for that. So there's commitment for you. Yeah, fair play. Uh, uh, this is the only entry in the Wolverine movie trilogy to have no post credit scene, just to really state that this is the end. <laughs> um, Logan only smiles three times throughout the movie. James Mangold confirmed that he wanted to release the Blu-ray in black and white, which uh, I know Keenan referenced on last week's podcast, asking if that was the way he should watch it. Um, George Miller did something similar with Mad Max. And he said that he kind of just got the idea after seeing the black and white uh, location photographs and just, he just thought they looked cool. So, and then the producers aren't going to, the direct the studio, sorry, 
aren't going to turn down re-releasing a film and getting that extra bit of revenue. Mm. If you like the early X-Men films, uh, you nearly got a return of one of the uh, favourite villains from back then. So Sabretooth was actually going to have a small role in this film where he helps Wolverine, X-23 and Professor X when they arrive in Oklahoma. Uh, Lee Schreiber was actually approached about reprising his role. Um, And there was also going to be a scene where Logan encounters a kind of underground railroad for mutants, which could have had some more cameos there. But... They removed all of those because he said they didn't want it to feel like your standard superhero movie. See that or that to is show any more mutants. I, I do feel like it was crying out for a few cameos. I was expecting to see a few pop up. Yeah, for sure. With the, well, I guess with it's the, to prove with, the point that there's like hardly any mutants left. Well, yeah, I was going to say with the rate that all the mutants died in this film. I'm kind of glad it didn't show up. I don't well, need to see any more deaths of my favourite people. Well, they say that Charles essentially wiped out the X-Men, didn't he, by like burning down the school. And that's why, yeah. that's why he was crying, because he has that accident. Um, according to James Mangold on the audio commentary, the collapsed water tower that Charles stays in was supposed to be kind of a dark reflection of Cerebro. I could see that. I thought that's what they were going for. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Merchant announced his participation in the movie by just posting a picture of himself with a freshly shaved head and Wolverine <laughs> 3. Um, he didn't mention who he was playing, and so people did assume it was a joke at first. <laughs> and that he was playing maybe Charles Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> there was I like a... that they didn't ask him to change his accent much. Like He just carries on as he is. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say there were. This is kind of off topic, off topic, yeah, but yeah. Um, there were some good like Wolverine games, weren't there? From, from memory, like, on like PS2 and Xbox and stuff, wasn't there some good Wolverine games? Or do you I'm remember? Sure, I think, I'm sure I played one, but I can't really yeah. remember much. I think there was one where you had several different X-Men, but I'm not remembering much more think, than that. I so. don't remember playing like an X-Men game, but I, I think there was one related to Wolverine. Like Wolverine or, or Origins or something like that. Um, so there was an X Men official game uh, with Wolverine on the front cover. Um, there was X Men Legends, which is what I believe I did have. And you're right, Sean. There was an X Men Origins Wolverine game as well. So yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Um, the one I was thinking of was the kind of uh, like Tekken style. Oh, I got you. Marvel vs Capcom, that kind of thing. So. Um, what else was there uh, in June 2017 this movie became the number one superhero movie of all time on Rotten Tomatoes knocking the Dark Knight to number two wow that's a big scalp to have and I'll tell you I agree wow um, Millie Bobby Brown auditioned for the role of X-23 that would have been good. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I probably think... hurt her that she was recognisable at this stage. Like it made more sense to have someone you've never seen before as X twenty three. I think so. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And I if think... she's going to be silent for half the movie, it probably makes just as much sense to not spend that <laughs> and... kind of money on Millie Bobby Brown. Um, 
So Patrick Stewart lost £21 to play Charles Xavier as elderly and sick. He claimed that he'd had steady weight since he was a teenager and never deliberately lost weight before. Hugh Jackman genuinely is carrying him in all of the scenes where uh, Wolverine is lifting up Xavier. Probably had a word with him and said, look, mate, make it easy for both of them to see Yeah. <laughs> and in the story, Old Man Logan, Mysterio tricked Logan into killing the X-Men. Um, in the movie, it's uh, Charles that kills the X-Men by one of his seizures. So that's 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 your trivia. Um, we've kind of got what Jack thought. What what did you think of the film, Sean? Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was first time watching as well. Uh, I thought it was a good film. I thought the fir- the first forty minutes left some time to be desired, but other than that, it was a good film. I don't know if we saw the first forty minutes because, if anything, it's probably. The 40 minutes after that, that's the first 40 minutes. He kills those guys like, as the scene starts. Yeah, other than uh, the opening scene, I give you credit for, yeah. Then within that, you've got um, the first kind of showdown where they come to try and take Laura and Xavier. That's also in the first 40. Mm. So, I'm thinking of the next. I don't know. It just it didn't really grab my. Oh, I mean, obviously the opening scene definitely did, but then there are certainly that's... slower parts than your standard. Yeah, yeah. Although that's where it's probably similar to the Dark Knight trilogy in that they do spend more time on building the characters rather than it being, say, well, a Spider-Man film. The the new Spider-Man ones are they have a story, but it's it's much more fast-paced throughout and yeah deadpool is probably the best example of that yeah i thought that it is again it's followed the mold of potentially dark knight ish where they've made it as real life as possible um like i know we haven't got onto it yet but the scene where he's in the family's house um the farmer's house just before those guys come yeah. back in after he's like knocked them out with a gun and like broke yeah. it, and I, and I was just sat there thinking, "Oh, this is this is nice." And then all of a sudden, I just get see Charles get absolutely nailed in. The <laughs> I'm like, "What the fuck?" And then I see the whole family die. I just was it just was not expecting yeah. it. People, people genuinely um, gasped in the cinema when uh, Xavier got stabbed. Yeah, I did too. I was like, "Hey, what?" I had to wind it back to check I wasn't like it wasn't a dream. I was expecting him to be asleep and it all be a dream or something like that. But it was like, no no, that that's actually happened. It's brutal when uh, the mum sees the X twenty four and you just got the shot with the kid just dead in the doorway, just yeah. lifeless. Um, Mental. Even worse that the dad survives and he's just got to go back into that house and well clean up that mess well, he come, it's when he comes back outside and he just shoots as X, the X-23 yeah. right, okay. 23 just, is Laura 24 is uh, and he just shoots him repetitively in the head again I wasn't expecting that 
No. Don't know where uh, Keenan is, by the way. Um, maybe he's drifted off. Maybe he's drifted off after he got home. <laughs> yeah, I think the scene like that, as much as it is probably what you, what you reckon about an hour in, the example we've used on this pod plenty of times is uh, the end of Game of Thrones season one, where Ned Stark gets iced and they're essentially saying to you, like, we're not playing games here. Yeah, that is exactly it. And it is kind of what you get here. And we we had a conversation yesterday, Jack, where we were talking about the vulnerability of uh, Logan and the difference there. And we, or you certainly have complained previously about The Equalizer and other films like that, where you don't even get the sense that the guy is going to take any damage at all. Yeah. Logan in this, you do see him struggling through, and it it is a bit like James Bond, where you can see him battered to a pulp, and you know, really, like, he's going nowhere. Yeah. But even still, it's nice to see someone take a bit of damage. It is. And I I was thinking, for a film this gory, I would love to have seen a fully-fledged Wolverine. And I got my wish at the end when he injects himself with that McGreen medicine. Yeah. yeah. And just for a bit, he goes absolutely mental in his full R-rated glory. And it was just awesome to see. But I totally agree that you felt there was so much more jeopardy in this film because you just thought, like, is he, how's he going to make it through this? Like, he's have, you, have you seen the clip before of uh, him doing the voice work for that scene? I haven't, no. It's definitely, it's worth looking on um, YouTube because obviously he's just kind of stood in a booth and they've got the scene playing out in front of him. And it's him just like screaming into the mic and obviously having to do all the effects. But it's really cool to see how they work it together. Yeah. That's another thing that kind of resonated with me because those actual effects of his voice there, I was like, fucking hell, I was G'd up myself. I was yeah. getting ready to get into that forest and fuck some people up hearing that roar. Um, one of the worst things is uh, the punishment that happens to the bad guy when all the mutants turn on him. And I don't know what, they, they couldn't have done this a bit sooner, but... I was thinking that. When they team up with their powers, he has a horrible end. Yeah, you're in a lab full of you and you're all on the same team you're telling me that you can't all just band together what's he do he gets like he gets the car smashed on top of him then he gets like frozen in place with his body they do all of the uh all the plants to grow around him and lock him in place yeah and then they do all all sorts then to finish him off so i mean it's a good little power play but they could have saved the others a bit of hassle if they'd uh, jumped in sooner Keenan. Mm-hmm. What's up? There's some there's some noise coming out of you. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It's this thing you bought me. But if it's no good, I'll have to fuck it off. This is probably just settling in. You've yeah. made it worse, Byron. Well, it's nothing. Then fuck knows. There's nothing I can do, is there? No, move the mic a bit further. Move the mic face. a bit further back, and you'll be sound. Fuck me, Christ alive, John. There we Commitment. go. 
No, it's not clean for this. Yeah, we're nice and clear now. Jesus Christ. What an introduction. Not even a hello. Well, uh, I didn't have a chance for you to say hello first. <laughs> we heard you barrel down the door. Oh, I, th- I sung your praises earlier. Why? You weren't here. I said, <laughs> I said about you being late, I said uh, difference there between people that do stay late at work and the people that say they stay late at work like shoots. Oh, I mean, when you're busy, you're busy. Well, we're, uh, we're midway through talking about Logan. If you want to tell us, uh, what did you think? Yeah, it was all right. I don't I disagree with this best superhero film ever. Like, I'm, I'm just telling you what Rotten Tomatoes said. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I do disagree with that. It, it was good. Um, it's a variation on a theme, wasn't it? it, it I, I, quite, I quite enjoyed it. I'm not sure if the, I'm not sure if I would have paid for. I'm glad I didn't pay for the black and white version. I'll be honest. No, no. Oh, we said that essentially. Um, he saw them do it for Mad Max and saw a picture of uh, the location photography where mm-hmm. there was just a cool picture of uh, Hugh Jackman all jacked up in black and white, and uh, they literally just commissioned it there, and the studio were happy to take the extra few quid. Fair. I imagine I imagine it did quite well, the black and white version. Well, they re-released it in cinemas, so um, oh, okay. they, got that, they got that extra money in. Fair. I, uh, yeah, like, I, I quite liked it. It was, it was different. I, don't, I didn't really, I didn't have a lot of expectations go, going in. Um, he's just a good character, isn't he, Wolverine? Yeah. Um, it's hard. When you, I mean, I, I think I'm like one of about ten people on the planet who, do you know the one that Ryan Reynolds is randomly in? Yeah. Um, Origins. I, I don't hate that anywhere near as much as other people do. Crikey. Yeah, you are probably one of about ten people. So I mean, yeah, everyone states it, but I actually quite liked it. I like, I like um, Liv Schreiber as well. Great guy. Uh, tri- bit of trivia: He nearly came back for this film. Um, oh, Played the brother as, as, as uh, Sabretooth, yeah. Oh sure. And then uh, the director decided that it might detract from the film if he had cameos in there. Mm, fair enough. I get that. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of uh, back on back on track here. I will say, now that we've got past that, this is the clearest I think you've ever sounded. Oh, okay. There we yeah. go. The rustling under control, is it? I mean, I've not moved. I've not but... heard any yet. Okay. Well, we'll see, shall we? It was like uh, there was a jet plane landing for you to get in here, but now you're in. No, I like to make well, an entrance, good. don't I? Sounds great, mate, I have to say. Sounds brilliant. Yeah, I like to make an entrance, don't I? So yeah. let well, everyone know I'm here. That... Assert your dominance with the first and orange. Dull set tones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Late late night TV tones. That's what they are. Well, if we talk about the ending here, because um, obviously it was the end of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Uh, I know on the set they kept it to a bare minimum. They just had uh, Laura, uh, X-23, the director, and uh, Hugh Jackman there they closed off the set and they basically told him, take as long as you want because he played the same character for 17 years now. Yeah. Um, so he was quite emotional. Probably and changed his life, obviously. didn't it? It did, did, yeah. show up. it did change his life, you have to imagine, because he, I don't really know, was it the first thing I, I think it might be the first thing I ever saw him in, was what? the original X-Men. 
Good in uh, good in Australia with Nicole Kidman. Good film that. Never seen it, mate. Right well, up your street. <laughs> just I'll rehash uh, something that we did have in the trivia. He said the only way he would play Wolverine again is if they did a crossover with Deadpool, and he could do that. I think though I I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against that happening. There's be if a, you did a enough search, demand for it. There's so many comics where there is the Wolverine Deadpool crossover. Yeah, but I would think I hope just... they don't do it. Why? Wow, it's it's a nice ending with what they have in Logan. Don't get me wrong. If they dropped a trailer, then I'd be gassed to watch it. But yeah, I, but they I could just... do it because obviously it'd be well before it would be a prequel to the stuff yeah, that happens yeah. in Logan. So it's. I, I, I would think you might get it just because I think the demand would be there and I think it would make serious money. Yeah, I guess so. Um, they'd probably have to get some rights sorted out. Um, oh, very possibly. But, yeah, you're probably right. But I'm not really sure. The Deadpool's kind of in the middle, isn't it? Um, with you, where it stands. I think that's with Disney now, right? Yeah, so X-Men is with Disney now as well, but I don't know how these things work. No. It doesn't really interest me as long as we get the films we want, then it's sad. Then let let them sort out between themselves. Yeah. If we go on to the categories, um, rewatchability being the first one here. um, Two hours, 17 minutes long, I believe it is. Jack, if we go to you first, uh, what do you think? Sorry, but you cut out then, or I cut out. Um, rewatchability for Logan. Yeah, definitely. Um, and for a long film, it's I know I've kind of said a lot of things are rewatchable, but I'd rewatch it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I wouldn't be avidly watching it every week just because of how long yeah. it. But if you're asking me. Is it good enough for me to rewatch it? Um, speaking of long, I did say Keenan. Um, well, that's a hell of an introduction there. I didn't realise how that might sound. Um, I, suppose... <laughs> <laughs> um, I referenced our interview we did uh, in the week that we'll be dropping tomorrow. So, okay, nice. So that's one. If uh, I said after that, we're now equipped to take over Hollywood with the insight that we. Been blessed with. Unreal. Felt bad, really, because he was giving us so much credit. <laughs> credit we do not hey, deserve. <laughs> we do deserve it. When I tell you, when when this interview drops next Wednesday that, that me and Jack did last night, it's the most exciting I've been for an interview to drop since JB. Am I? Uh, do I get an advanced copy or what are we saying? Um, we should have maybe. advanced copies, really, yeah. Maybe. I mean, um, you've done it before, so I know you know how to do it. I do know how to do it, yeah. Okay. Um, well, will you? <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see. Wow. <laughs> um, I mean, if if you don't, I feel like you're being a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite pumped to. Uh, I remember being pumped to drop the John Heater interview, but it just turned out that everyone else I know except Jack doesn't like Napoleon Dynamite, which <laughs> I find that insane. Dead film. Yeah, awful film. Dead film. I think the plot was a bit complex for these boys, Jack. <laughs> plot dead. 
Your boy Pedro, dead. (laughs) (laughs) Never forget him turning me down for an interview because he thought I wanted to pop round. (laughs) Sound. Keenan, what do you think rewatchability-wise for Logan? Now I've seen it, I don't think I'll watch it again. That's not to say, like, it's a bad film, but it's quite long. And I don't know. I don't think watching some of the scenes, watching a lot of it again... It's not wouldn't have the same impact. No. Um, yeah, I'd uh, I agree. I'm probably on the same yeah same wavelength as as Keenan. And I'm not saying that as, as really disparaging of, of not thinking it. Uh, no, no. You think it is good, but yeah, I don't think I don't think I'd watch it again. Well, I was going to watch Wolverine. If I was going to watch a film with Wolverine in it, there would be well, I'd pretty much go to any of them before I'd go to this, but. There'd be wow. two or three that would be wow. not in a X Men not... Origins over this is if, if you if you said that <laughs> lightning might strike you down if you said that outside. Um, but like you'd watch, I'd watch X Men One. Last Stand's not great. I X-Men enjoyed two. Last Stand. X Men Two. X-Men we had some of our praises my, of X Men Two earlier with my guy William Stryker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Boy. Yeah, he's. Uh, I can't remember. Shit, I should really know the name of the actor. It's the guy who played Hannibal. Oh, uh, well, that's going to annoy me. Well, I'd, I'd like myself to say how rewatchable it is, but um, watching it on Monday night was the first time I'd seen it since watching it in the cinema. And I think part of that is 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 due to how much I enjoyed it. That I don't I don't really want to half watch it. And I wanted to kind of put my all in when I did watch it again. So I certainly would enjoy rewatching it, but yeah, it's it's not one I would I'd rush to rewatch. But I also can't speak highly enough of it, so might work off each other there. Um, if we go on to the quotes, um, not the biggest week for them, I don't think, but uh-huh. you do have a couple there. Caliban, probably the one that stood out most for me, as he takes out the uh, adamantium bullet and says, found this in your pocket. If you are planning to blow your brains out, could you just wait till you're out on the high seas? I just mopped these floors. <laughs> Bit of a hero, the boy Caliban, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Is it you that doesn't like Stephen Merchant? Uh, I don't particularly like him, now. <laughs> I didn't think, I, I thought it was you that didn't like him. I mean, that's not, it shouldn't be to anyone that listens to this. I don't really like a lot. I'm happy in my misery. <laughs> he, he seems like his humour is everything I would imagine you to enjoy. So it does shock me you don't like him. All right, it's just the package it's delivered in. Gervais alongside. <laughs> oh, that don't, that, that's, that's <laughs> a conversation for another day. Yeah, no, I, I do actually agree for them for the most part there. If we ever get a way to f- shoe on one of his films, then I'll, I don't, I don't I'll have we'll that be... conversation there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we do a best films rated under 3.0 on IMDb, then maybe he'll sh- make his way in. No, films, made, yeah. films made by a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Just annoy, it annoys me more how much everyone else likes him as well. <laughs> Come on, them bubble bath selfies. Um, no comment. <laughs> nature made me a freak, man made me a weapon, and God made it last too long. 
You can talk. What's all this bullshit been for the last 2,000 miles? <laughs> um, uh, what about when um, Xavier says, uh, I wish I could say you're a good pupil, but my words would choke me? <laughs> Two days on the road, only one meal and hardly ever yeah. sleep. She's 11, I'm fucking 90. <laughs> <laughs> Made so much funnier by the fact that it's Patrick Stewart swearing. It's, a bit, like hearing, it's a bit like hearing your granddad swear. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Um, there was a time when a bad day was just a bad day. It's quite a oh, good one for, for, the, for the whole film, to be fair. Um, Charles telling Logan to fuck off. I don't know if Keen just said <laughs> There's some reason why connection's all weird today. Well, even when Charles tries to uh, tell him about swearing, and he says she can gut a man with her feet, but she can't hear a few naughty words. <laughs> um, any more before we carry on? Before we move, I have to say one thing about this film. I'm a huge fan of the way they incorporate the X-Men. Like with the comics and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I that thought, is cool. I, I do think I, I thought that was a really good. Like, I just I thought it was a really interesting way to do it. When he's like, oh, like, oh, we got an X Men fan. Like a quarter of it happened, but not yeah. like this. In the real world, people died. Like with the comics and stuff. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, they custom made those um, kind of to fit the All the film. The film. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> even still, um, I, I agree with you. Hmm. Um, best scene. I mean, there's all sorts of violence to choose from. Um. The ending is, is is great in itself, but maybe the one that might stand up most for me is uh, the kind of slow motion when Charles is having one of his seizures and he's going up into the hotel and you see him quite beautifully going through that army of people that's there to capture him, Charles, in the X-23. I think he puts his uh, claws through a guy's chin at one stage there. He does. Well, what's the standout scene for you, Keenan? The fight in the forest. Yeah. Just like the way the way it's shot. The way it's shot's cool, and it's it's a bit like your your old store, your old school star just turning up for one more game. Yeah, it's it's good when you get that that build up, like where he's obviously gives you violence the whole way through mm. but they do make a big point as to show like this is him at kind of half speed yeah and, and then it's you... like wait until the end of the star wars film for the lightsaber fight and then you can sit back and put your feet up and know you're about to see something quite special and the second mm. he injects himself with that stuff you know it's game time peds yeah gotta be done sometimes to compete <laughs> What an interesting stance. <laughs> Sean, uh, what was the best scene for you? Uh, I think I quite like the the scene in the woods, like where they're chasing and running through, through that, and, and the fight there, and then the wasteland yeah. kind of fight where they, where they first kind of find him. So either of those two, really. And Jack, finally, mine's the forest fight scene again. Same reason as Keenan, really. 
you just yeah. know it's game time now. You've seen him struggle through it, and just for a bit, you get to see what he used to be. Yeah. Um, if we go on to Minority Report then, so the synopsis, in a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit their crimes, an officer from that unit is himself accused of a future murder. Um, this was my first time seeing it. Was I the only one seeing this for the first time? No, I'd never seen it before. Okay. Um, critics' reviews. So, it's a handsome film, certainly better than AI, but ultimately rather tedious and falsely sentimental, as Spielberg films have a tendency to be. Spielberg creates an intriguing world that is at once futuristic and accessible. It makes our collective imagination soar, but is never alienated. By turning Dick's ironic little story into a gargantuan thriller celebrating free choice, Spielberg has been true to his character. He's transformed something dark and scary into something softer and more comfortable. This masterfully sleek vision of the future from director Steven Spielberg is an awesome mix of skewed science fiction, twisty Hitchcock-style thrills, stunning blue-grey tinged photography and outstanding design. The action is fun, but the more you think about it, the slighter it feels and the more holes show. A couple more. High-concept science fiction escapades often try to impose new ways of seeing, but Spielberg seems intent on blistering our optic nerves. <laughs> Hugely ambitious and wildly successful in parts, only a tricky third act trips up a master director clearly enjoying himself in virgin territory. Nonetheless, this stands as the best future noir since Blade Runner. And finally, the ending shows that Spielberg is like a father who tells his kids scary bedtime stories but can't bear it if they have nightmares. Weird. That's, yeah, I'm trying to make heads or tails of that. Well, it's, I think I, I, think I get it. The, the concept is dark and then he gives it this nice happy ending. Hmm. First thing that stood out to me seeing this, what did you think of the the blue tinge to uh, the whole film? So I actually text you saying this that I hated this. It's like the opposite of the film Seven, where it's got that like black haze, whereas this has got this like white. It's, it's the same cinematographer. Oh, is it? That makes a they lot brought of sense. They brought him in after seeing his work on the opening credits of the film. Right, that makes tons of sense then. It wasn't a fan. I just didn't think it needed it. It felt like I was watching something in standard definition again for like the first time in ages. Not for me. Sean, this was obviously uh, your pick. Is that something that you're not a fan of when you see the film or add to it to you or just not something you pay much attention to? Yeah, not not something again. Ne- ne- yeah, neither or really. I, I wasn't. I just you know it's a film from two thousand and two, and I just kind of incorporated that into it. So I I didn't really look too much into that aspect. I've got some trivia for you. So Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg both agreed to waive their usual salary to help keep the film's budget under a hundred million. They agreed to take fifteen percent of the film's gross instead. What heroes? That sounds like they've done them a massive favour. 
team yeah. player. You're backing yourself on that, though, aren't you? You have to kind of expect yeah. it in a way. Um, Steven Spielberg hired the top 12 contortionists from around the world to do the futuristic yoga class scene. That did crack me up seeing that. I didn't really <laughs> know what I was watching at that stage. Uh, three years before production began, Spielberg assembled a team of 16 future experts. I don't know how you get that job. In Santa Monica to brainstorm out the year 2054 for him. The team included Neil Gershenfeld, the professor at the Media Lab at MIT, Sean Jones, the director of biomedical research, William Mitchell, a dean of the School of Architecture, uh, William, Mi- uh, sorry, Peter Calthorpe, the new urbanism evangelist, Jaron Lanier, one of the inventors of virtual reality technology, uh, several authors and a uh, car designer so they mapped out what he felt the future was going to be like and then he said against everything they said he did add in some jetpacks i don't know what it is with minority report but when i watched it for the first time ages ago i thought this is brilliant and then like i said before for some reason, I was watching it back now, expecting to love this film, and I just didn't. I, I don't know what it was. But That's what I felt with Bruce Almighty. Something just didn't strike a chord with me this time round. I don't know if it's because I knew the twists or what, but I found it quite a difficult watch. Um, a couple more bits, and then we'll get to that. So, Nokia is supposed to have spent $2 million to have as many handsets as possible in the film. Uh, you might need to move your mic a bit, Keenan. No, I was hoping. Closer. God almighty. What? Can hear you breathing. So when Steve McManaman's doing BT coming, <laughs> got his microphone inside his sinuses. I hate it when that happens. That's not... I mean, we're giving you some compliments today, Keenan. Steve, Steve McManaman comparison is not one of them. <laughs> great great guy he's not um, great guy legend uh, the film was shot a few years earlier um, the film was almost shot sorry a few years earlier before Steven Spielberg decided to do AI instead and have the minority report script reworked according to reports um, that film would have contained Matt Damon as Whitworth Kate Blanchett as Agatha Ian McKellen as Burgess um and Javier Bardem says that uh, he was offered the part of Whitworth, but uh, he turned it down because he didn't just want to have a whole role chasing around Tom Cruise. So that led to the casting of uh, Colin Farrell. Mm. Um, Lexus reportedly paid $5 million to have a futuristic version of one of its cars in the film. As part of the deal, Steven Spielberg got a $62,000 Lexus convertible. Nice. The police hover ship was nicknamed the Dispenser because someone on the set said it resembled a Pez dispenser. (laughs) John Williams was hired to provide the score, uh, which delayed production because he overran doing Star Wars Episode Two. Tom Cruise began filming this only two days after completing Vanilla Sky. 
<laughs> he's just a hit factory, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like wind him up and then just send him off into another project. In Philip K. Dick's original short story, John Anderton is fat and balding, not at all like Tom Cruise. Can see why they jazzed it up a little. Yeah, that doesn't have the same appeal as Tom Cruise, does it? No. <laughs> Poor Giamanti. <laughs> He'd have been a good chat, actually. That's um, the film. The adaption of the short story was originally planned as a sequel to Total Recall by the writers of that film. Um, the scene where Lois Smith, uh, Dr. Hyman, kisses Tom Cruise wasn't scripted, so his reaction is of genuine surprise. Tom Cruise was me tooed right before our eyes. <laughs> I was, I was going to say that if you're in that opportunity with Tom Cruise, I guess you just took it. If that's just stop Jack, that'll stop you getting a role in the next Tom Cruise film. <laughs> you're going to be playing your lips on him. This opened the same weekend as Disney's Lilo and Stitch, which actually sold more tickets. However, because the bulk of those tickets went for half price, the kids' tickets, Minority Report was able to claim the number one spot at the box office. Lilo and Stitch, what a film, by the way. Yeah. Gareth Gates doing Suspicious Minds. Better than Elvis, some would say. <laughs> no, they fucking wouldn't. <laughs> I've just said it. <laughs> Honestly, you've said a lot of ludicrous shit in the near decade that we've known each other, but that actually might be the worst. That is a... Why? That's fucking horrific. Sean That's one of the worst tones takes. earlier. Gareth Gates. Dulcet tones. You're not going to do it. No, Gareth, <laughs> Gates, Gareth Gates is. He, he had some bangers, but I just wouldn't. <laughs> Wouldn't say his version was better than Elvis. Better Alvis. than Elvis, though, shoot. This is what he's saying. I'm not, deni- not, not denying spirit in the sky. Yeah. Great effort. With the Kumars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what the fuck they were doing in that, by the way. But fair play to them. I used to really Come like on. that programme as well. Stupid mistake as well. Um, I used to really like that at home, number 42, the Kumars. Um, better than Elvis. Hey, look! I said so. I said some might say it. Some might say it. <laughs> what? what the hell are you doing down that mic? Yes, that's how exasperated that claim has made me. It's like a volcano out. going off. I had to let out a deep breath. He's like Thunderbird One. <laughs> oh look! You support me to get. I'm using oh. it. Stop mugging me for it. <laughs> we can't put you in much more of a position to be clear without saying the words for you. Yeah, you lose this a lot in delivery, that, really. Uh, this is the never back down pod again. Oh, man. No, no it's, it, we're not going there. So I genuinely the think he wakes up on a Thursday and thinks, how can I fuck him off today? Because <laughs> he obviously, he don't do a lot the of other work. Way he, he don't do a lot of work, so he must just be coming very busy me. today. Have you? At the Cross. climax... Anderton tells Burgess that he has two choices. Choose not to commit the murder, discredit pre-crime, or commit the murder, go to jail, but vindicate the system. Uh, In the book, he does shoot him and says... uh, No, sorry. Sorry. Read it wrong after being there earlier. So he realises the prediction's wrong and he's able to choose not to commit the murder. Okay, I got it right the first time. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell, on. 
Keenan has thrown me off with <laughs> his negligence. Shock on getting blamed again. Christ <laughs> alive. If you can't read, him. you can't read. What do you want me to do? He does shoot him, <laughs> so there we go. To prove uh, the precogs correct and pre- preserve the system he believes in. So, Keenan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. What do you want? What were your thoughts on Minority Report? Quite similar to yours, I think, mate. When you, you, you text, text me and said it's not really doing a lot for me, that was very much my feeling. Wasn't a gooch tickler. <laughs> well, like, it's not... It's not bad. No, no. Like... Uh, but I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't rush to tell anyone that they need to see it. I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's very average. Our man from uh, Prison Breakers, the Doctor, Sean. Yeah, John O'Breezy. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, carry on. I was going to say, I think my views are are probably quite similar to to Harper's. I think the first time I watched it, um, as a a reference, was recommended to by Jen Bones, by Alex's sister. Um, and yeah, and I, and I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. Um, and then, yeah, I think part of that might be in terms of the twist and how it goes. And then, yeah, when I watched it this week, not not as strongly as as I think you two. I mean, I know you two obviously watched it for the first time, but I still enjoyed it, but didn't enjoy it as much as I did the first time I watched it. I think maybe because I knew X amount about it already, so a lot of the effects I knew were there. Like we're already there because that's what people talk about. I've never heard anyone talk about Minority Report and genuinely mention the plot, other than the pre-crime bit. But the, like the actual details of the plot, I don't think anyone's ever told me. It's all about the fu- like the futuristic stuff. And I think because I knew and was expecting so much of that, some of that effect, the effect of it, got lost on me. Some of the plot holes got to me. I'm not expecting mm. it to be kind of crystal clear, but. All you needed to do was have seen uh, the the guy that they say is uh, who he's going to kill. But to have the memory of him, he needs to have seen him beforehand. They literally mm-hmm. say that in the film. And then he's never even seen him before. So I don't know how he can have that kind of vision in his head. Yeah, there's, like, there's a bit there's a bit to, there's a quite a few to be honest um, my my favorite bit was um when they're showing how the system was kind of defrauded to uh, kill the woman and he basically tells her to kind of look across the river while he does a quick wardrobe change behind her and she just stays turning the other way <laughs> <laughs> he strips off quick gets his jacket on pulls his mask over and then he's back like you can't believe it. I'm back again. <laughs> also, those coppers are fucking useless. So when the bloke comes out, almost kills her. They, just... they take him away. <laughs> they just piss her off <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Saying a bit. <laughs> You're right now, I love Tara. Like, he genuinely. Here, and then he says, like, I've got to run. Well, they've already got the guy. In they've already got him. Like, you not <laughs> escort her anywhere? Just offer her a lift home? Something? He... He points away. That that was a Friday. They didn't say that. That was a Friday at about four o'clock. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's wa- the end of shit. <laughs> what I don't get as well is that 
the cop obviously take off this bloke, take him off, but they leave the woman there and she still gets drowned. So what are they saying how, how that happens? Because when it says there's an echo, oh, they're just seeing the murder happen again. It's an echo. Yeah, but the murder didn't happen. And mm. there's a dead woman left where there was an alive woman. So what those coppers said, they would have turned around and said at one point, now she was alive when we left. So they would have known that there would have been a second murderer. No, because the... They cover up. Cog, the precog deletes it already because they don't see yeah. it. Ah, uh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. They say that's why they do it with the same outfit because sometimes they can have the same thing, whether it's like uh, the trauma of it when it's a more serious one and it plays back and so they just chuck out that memory because they've seen it already. Comprende. So, what, what, did you, what did you think of Colin Farrell? Because I thought usually the perk of Tom Cruise is easy to root for. Um, I thought it was easier to root against Colin Farrell in this than it was to root for Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's a bit of an ass, wasn't it? They were trying to make him into an ass that turned out to just be letter of the law and is actually a good guy at heart. Yeah. But they left it too late and they just killed him just just as you started to like him. Yeah. Well, no, they didn't even start to like him. He just thought, oh, hang on a minute. He's actually, <laughs> oh, no, he's dead. Uh, although it's... Um it's been done so many times before I do always love the the villain when they say such and such and in this case it's uh, oh I don't know that woman that drowned and they go I didn't say she drowned <laughs> <laughs> I love that in films <laughs> I wonder how often that happens in a real real investigation like <laughs> It's, I mean, it happens so often in, in films that genuinely, surely, that must have just happened one time. That probably does happen in real situations, doesn't it? It's, it's funny as well, because all he has to do is not say, the, say those words, and he gets yeah. away. But, like, as a man of his stature, does he not know how to tie a bow tie as well? Or is it this, this power play, like, haha, I've set up your husband, and now you're doing my tie? Like, what's that all about? He had them nervy palms. Yeah, maybe that was it. Or he was, or he was, he was trying to do a bit of creeping. I'm having <laughs> putting some moves on. I'm gonna have to try that one out and say. Keenan, if we uh, start with you, what do you mm-hmm. think for rewatchability? Very similar to my last answer, mate. I now that I, I well actually probably less I'd be more likely to watch Logan than I would this I don't I don't think I'll ever I don't think I'll ever see this again um, and that sounds like I'm slating it but it's just a very average film and like Jack and Shoot have just said like now that I know the twists and turns in its entirety I can't see any value in it I wish you were this calm and relaxed for a whole episode rather than <laughs> what do you mean Get up in my grill each week. Because you come for me for no reason without fail. You, you do come for him. I'm Thank you, Shoot. the fans. Well, I don't know what you'd like me to do. I can only control your controllables. But I get annoyed because you just send for me constantly. <laughs> you, you just said control your controllables. You don't control your controllables, which is the issue. Look, I'm using the equipment that I've got. 
it's a compliment, if anything, because we just assume Sean's a lost cause. Yeah, but I'll draw me in on value, really, aren't I? I'm worth the trouble. Remains to be seen. Well, Jack, what do you think for rewatchability? I thought again, thought I was going to love it. Now I've watched it again. I don't think I'll ever watch it ever again. I think. I don't know if it's like Shutter Island, which is absolutely unbelievable the first time you see it, and the second time around where you know all the twists. You're like, well, this is just a film about a lunatic now. My brother actually claims that gets better on a rewatch. I don't think it does. What's that, sorry? Shutter Island. I've not rewatched it. I've never seen it. So it's absolutely unbelievable first time round, and you're there at the end, and you're like, fuck, my head's going to fall off. And then... Second time round, like, well, I know what's going to happen now, so, um, but I won't ruin it for you by telling you. But yeah, it's almost the same with Minority Report that that weird blue haze, honestly, I, that puts down, contributes to like 75% of my reason why I don't want to rewatch it. I just can't hack it again. Big man Mark Ruffalo in Shutter Island. I think me and him would be mates. I, uh, I can tell you why I've never watched it. Someone spoiled, spoiled the ending for me. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a long film, isn't it? And I was like, well, yeah. I don't, I'd be annoyed to spend two and a half hours watching all this build-up as I know exactly how it ends. So, I, mean, fairness, fairness, they... I knew the end of Seven and I still watched it and enjoyed it. Well, that's true. I, you do make a good point, actually. Because I did the uh, the Usual Suspects is the one I always think of. I love the Usual Suspects. It's a great film. I don't. But... I didn't know. I texted I didn't know the ending. So... Yeah, I, I knew the ending when I watched it and I still enjoyed it. But I always think, fucking hell, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. Without knowing the ending? I only knew the ending as being referred to as parodied in the end of Scary Movie, but I still mm. didn't put two and two together, so I might say more yeah. about me. No, I swear. But yeah, I didn't want the, like, no. I mean, like I said, to be fair, the person who spoiled it for me didn't mean to. They just were just talking about it. Yeah. And then I happened to, be like, oh, I haven't seen it. And they were like, oh, shit, I'm so yeah. sorry. But, meh, so lovely. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure about, um, but... The rewatchability for me, it's it's not there. I wasn't a, I wasn't a big fan of the film. Uh, I did have high expectations going in, which maybe worked against it. And I know it can't be helped. It, it did feel dated to me, which some you get, and it, there's got a bit of charm to it. Like you watch the early Star Wars, and it does have a bit of charm to how dated it is. I didn't feel that with this, and I've seen Tom Cruise be better, so. That played yeah, against fair. it. Um, Sean, have you given your answer? Uh, no, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't feel as strongly as as I think uh, any of you do. Do um, I wouldn't say it's probably not extremely rewatchable after having rewatched it now for yeah. the second time. It not being as good uh, as the first time I watched it. So. I guess that kind of answers it. So, yeah, not, not particularly watchable, but I, I don't feel um, as strongly as, as you do. If we go on to the, the just, other one, then, sorry. Just, just to add to it as well, like, Lamar, the guy who um, created Pre-Crime, and he has saved hundreds, if not thousands, of lives with Pre-Crime. I know he's killed one person, but sometimes that is just collateral. So what they're doing now is disbanding pre-crime and letting thousands of murders 
get a committee in because yeah. someone else. I just think, yeah, great, but pre-crime is still probably a good oh. idea. Stops all murders. I just that's another thing I didn't get. And it's like they ended the film saying pre-crime was disbanded and never used again, as if it was a good thing. Like it's the happy end. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of murders are now going to happen, and that is the end of the story. <laughs> I've just seen William starting, for Christ's sake. He's been good recently. I'm not even sure he has. He's not even better than Pepe. Every time that you moan about William, just brings music to my ears. Let's go on to the quotes. (laughs) Let's. Um, I think my favourite was when they tried to uh, confront Burgess, and he says he came to see you the other day right before he was tagged. What did you talk about? It's like, the Mets... John doesn't think they have a good enough pitching roster this year, and I'm inclined to I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> but where uh, he's like, "Hello, Lamar. I just wanted to congratulate you. You did it. You created a world without murder, and all you had to do was kill someone to do it." <laughs> um, I said the, but I never said she drowned. Dig up the past, all you get is dirty. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I was saying. He liked to keep his eyes because his mother gave them to him. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yeah. Like that one. Any more before we go on to best scene? Sometimes in order to see the light, you have to risk the dark. I did like that one as well. What are you saying, Sean? <laughs> well, I put on an acca that United were in and I realised oh, Milan scored in 90 yeah. plus two minutes. Best moment slash scene for me quite strongly was uh, where they stop, where they show the, how the pre-crime works and they stop it for the first time. Yeah. My man with his scissors, although he was being a little cut there for a while um, down the side of the bed, but eventually yeah. <laughs> rises up with his scissors and Tough Big Crew stops him. You know, I don't I know why my glass. all the doors open, he needed the clarity, like did he close the door? Seize the initiative here. <laughs> what was your favourite scene, Sean? Uh, my, mine is probably that that as well. Uh, if I had to pick one, I, I do really like that scene. Um, I quite like the chase, whether on the subway train as well. Another like classic movie thing that I really like is the you know when they looking at a newspaper and it's a wanted picture and then they see yeah. them. Uh, I always love that one. Uh, so that yeah, an honourable mention to that one as well. But my favourite probably is that is that that first scene as well. Keenan, I oh, like the bit where it all comes tumbling down for you, man Lamar. Right at the end, your last or towards towards the end, yeah. um, where Sean, where the quote Sean just said, well, yeah. "Hello, Lamar. I'd like to congratulate you, etc., etc." And Jack. Yeah, same here when he's when he's at that fancy party and his dirty laundry gets aired right. <laughs> Love that. All right. If we get onto the judging, as stated before, myself and Sean back seat here. It's just what Keenan and Jack say. That's what goes here. So Keenan, start with you. Which film did you prefer? Uh, Logan. And Jack? Logan. Uh, Keenan, which did you think was more rewatchable? Logan. And Jack? Yeah, Logan. Okay. Um, Keenan. When you're weighing up 
sorry, just when you weigh in at the two, my decision was given to Logan because you can rewatch those stunts and they're still brilliant, whereas you rewatch Minority Port and you know the twists and lose it time. Um, best quote, Keenan. Um, gonna give it to uh, on the road for two days, one meal. She's eleven. I'm fucking ninety. Okay, Jack. I'm giving it to Charles Xavier for just telling Logan to fuck off because that was <laughs> resonating with me hearing him say those words. Just brilliant. I'll stick with you, Jack. Best moment slash scene. I'm going for the forest scene or the opening scene of Logan where you see an R-rated Logan for the first time yeah. in off limbs and just dissing, fucking slashing people to bits. Unreal. Keenan? Yes, yeah, the forest scene, mate. Uh, Keenan, who's your MVP? Logan. And Jack? Logan. Okay. Um, Keenan, most menacing villain? Actually, I'm going to change my last answer to John Anston purely because Logan dies. And John Anston has to fight pre-crime, get his eyes taken out. I think... I think he does go through more strife. Um, Keenan, most menacing villain? Um, Can I give it to the bad guys in Logan? Pretty safe. Actually, basically, a nice little segue there, Jack. Because I quite like Lamar Burgess as your villain. Um, But he dies at the end, doesn't he? So he gets gets his comeuppance. Yeah. As an individual individual villain, I'd probably say Donald Pierce, mate. Yeah, I think you're right. Same for me, because... You don't see him as a villain for long enough to fear him in mm. Minority books. You think he's his mate for most of it. Mm. Whereas um, the other guy is an evil bloke. Tortures, tortures kids for a start. Pretty bad. Keenan, best side character? Charles Xavier, Legends of the Game. Jack? Yeah, same here. Keenan, action per minute. Logan. Same, Jack. Yeah. Um, kill count. Uh, Minority Report is four through the film. Um, <laughs> there's more in the opening scene. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have an actual number for Logan? Yeah, that no, I tried finding it, but I, I can't imagine get an accurate number. I imagine it's quite a lot. Yeah, lots. Yeah, it's not there. Um, Keenan, most creative use of weaponry. <laughs> Didn't really have one, mate, to be honest. I mean, the kid itself is a weapon. Like the fact that they've genetically, en- or oh, I suppose it's the same with Logan, they've literally genetically engineered a weapon. What about you, Jack? I liked the shoe, like the foot spike from, uh, it's, X- it's X-23, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, Keenan, best soundtrack? Logan. Jack? Yeah, Logan. It's got very Johnny Cash-ish sound to it. Um, we have an honourable shout-out to Bad Boys, though, in, in Minority Report. Fair. Originality, Keenan? Minority Report. Jack? Yeah, same here. Um, Keenan, bigger impact? Logan. Jack? Yeah, same. Uh, Keenan ending 
Uh, I actually like the ending. Like I say, the the ending in Minority Report is actually my favourite. Like, it's pretty much my favourite part of the film. Um, that's really bad. Um, but I think for the emotion and the end of an era type thing, I'm going to give it to Logan. Jack? I'm going to judge Minority Report as if it was the first time I was watching it. And if I watched them both for the first time last night, I'm saying Minority Report has a better ending, I think. Fair. Um, and finally, Keenan Chemistry. Yeah, it's Logan. And Jack? Yeah, same, Logan. I think your, your point that you said earlier, Byron, about how you've seen Tom Cruise better. Yeah. 100% agree with that. Maybe it was just like fatigue. Maybe it's like having a yeah. Saturday, Tuesday night game where you just finished the other sky went straight onto this. Um, it's um, also, yeah, I think because Tom Cruise has been better, I think in terms of impact, this probably gets lost. Yeah. In like, if you were, if you were ranking his films, hundred percent. Like you, I, I you don't think, even know where this would enter the conversation. Just to confirm. I know it was touch and go. It was twelve one in the end. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like the biggest margin we've ever had, right? Um, Casino Royale crank was fourteen one. I searched. Yeah, I've completely forgot about a pile of shit. Excuse me. Actually, it was twelve three. Oh, was it? Was closer. Um, yeah, that's the widest so far. Um, do you get a little a bit about cranking uh, our Garrett Warren interview as well? So, hmm. was he positive? Yeah, he says they cast him literally just because he has one eye and they could do a stunt by putting something in his eye. So I wanted to know because, like, we've said this as well. Like, is IMDb after the assassination attempt? is ridiculous compared to what it is before. And I want to know how much is that just the natural progression of his career? Cause he's been about longer. Um, it's see, yeah, it seems to be that way, which but how much of it was the, for the old interview. This is, I, I won't overstep the mark, but I think this is the biggest interview that will drop in March. Sheesh. You've given it big licks. There's been some competition this month for interviews, but I think that might take the cake. We'll put Harry and Meghan on the back seat. (laughs) Anyway, last couple of bits. Um, There were no, there was only one fan theory that says. What's his name? Uh, Tom Cruise. Everything that happens after he's put in the halo is just him hallucinating in the halo. And he actually stays there for good. Bit of a lazy fan theory as far as some of them have gone, but that is one there. Real star of the film. uh, I don't think there's any arguing with these two, is there? No. 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 Recast in one role, like Keenan's uh, already suggested one there. I put Kate Beckinsale into Minority Report as Tom Cruise's wife. Fair. I don't know if that's just because I remember in Total Recall. Then do you have? I was just going to say. Then do you have? Then you do, do you just have Total Recall? Pretty much, yeah. Did you and I not watch that at the cinema? 
the Colin Farrell. I saw it in the cinema, so it may well have been with you. I think it was. Good film. It was okay. I've never seen the original, so I want no comparison. No. Yeah, same. Um, Jack, do you have a casting swap before we uh, wrap, wrap up? I'm not even going to do myself a disservice by saying Jim Carrey is Wolverine. No, don't, we're kicking off in a minute. <laughs> but David Spade could do John Anderson. <laughs> if the cast swapped, which film works best? Uh, Minority Report. I'm not ready to see a Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, you'd have to be on stilts. <laughs> um, doesn't quite work. If you had to add Tom Cruise or The Rock to this movie, which would you choose? You'd put The I'd Rock into to, Logan anyway. You'd just have him, have, have him and Wolverine just fucking yeah. hammering tongs, wouldn't you? Although, Logan slashing at Tom Cruise would be quite something. Yeah, Scorpion King, Wolverine crossover. Yeah. Well, that does wrap us up for today. Next week, we have Colin Farrell again, as we have Phone Booth up against Gerard Butler in Laura Biden Citizen. So, big week next week. Logan goes through to the next round, and we'll see who they'll be facing. As I said, Carlos Carrasco interview will be out when this drops. Garrett Warren interview will drop next Wednesday and I may even treat people to another interview next Friday so March Madness is coming in many different ways thanks for listening we'll be back goodbye